Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on August the 16th, 2011. For newcomers, you should look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and help yourself to the audios, which hopefully will give you an understanding of the system that you're born into. It's a system. It's not the media projection that you're given every day. It's beyond that. It's a very clever system. Interwoven foundations and uh, non-governmental organizations really run the world on behalf of the very rich people who've been running it for an awful long time. The same ones that present you with leaders to vote for and the charade of politics. And they know where they're going with all of this. You're living through some of the biggest changes as they basically amalgamate whole sections of the planet and, and then eventually under one government. That's You'll see this in your lifetime not too far off. And we're, we're pretty well there, in fact. They call it globalism, many different names for the same thing. And with it comes a new society, a society that kills or destroys all the old morality, the old systems, the old cultures to bring in the new. That's the big plan, very old, as I say. And uh, some people who have worked in the top of this society to bring it in, this new system. I have written lots of books about it they love to boast because nobody reads them anyway. It's not exciting. And uh, But they tell you where they're going and how, they're do, how they will do it. And many of them were alive in the early 20th century who planned this part of it right now, including the morality changes that we're, we're going through today. It's amazing to see you living through a script. So help yourself to the the free audios for download. Remember, too, all the sites carry transcripts as well of a lot of the talks I've given uh, uh, for prints up. And they're all in English, but you know what? Go into alanwattsentinel.eu and find ones in other languages, too. And remember, too, you're the ones that bring me to you, so you can help support me by buying the books and diffs I have for sale at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can use a personal check or an international postal money order or you can send cash or use PayPal to order. You'll see the nation button on the com site. Use that. Follow it up with an email with name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you. And across the rest of the world, you're, you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, again, and PayPal. And remember, straight donations are most certainly welcome as we go through this incredible farce. It's amazing that millions of people, billions of people across the world all believe in money, and it's only our belief in it that keeps the whole system going because it's, it's rotten to the core and it was a con to begin with. And, uh, but it certainly benefits those who designed it. And there were definitely people who designed this monetary system, including the whole agenda, as I say, of integrating whole regions of the planet. They've written about it. The United Nations has even put a map out years ago about it. And uh, we're living through it today. But it's all focused around money. Without money, it's amazing. Everything stops. Everything, everything stops when there's no money. They call it a depression. And even though you have factories or you have uh, farmers with seed and so on, not everything just stops because of this ridiculous thing called money that's backed on by nothing. Uh, but it's really a control mechanism, you understand, 
to keep a certain elites in power at the top, to keep them in a very, very high level of luxury as well. And we're, we're given a different reality at the bottom. And even the middle classes too haven't a clue. Maybe even especially the middle classes haven't a clue what's really going on. They take reality as it's presented on a daily basis by the general media. And Carol Quigley, who wrote about this organization who helps run the world, one of the main ones that comes from foreign relations and the Royal Institute of International Affairs, which is the British branch, he talked about that, how it was easier to control the middle classes, and subsequent studies have certainly proven that, because they have their special papers, magazines they buy, and you just make sure you guide your thoughts by that. For the lower classes, we get junk and sex and trivia. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. It's astonishing really to to realize that you're living through a script. It truly is. And the big boys themselves, especially that comes from foreign relations, are famous for using the term, this this line that whenever anything bad happens or generally what's been caused or they make happen, uh, they come forward and they say, we can use this crisis to our advantage and they ram things ahead. So we see this happening across the world. You can't change your world without crisis, you understand. You've got to create the crisis. People get pretty used to the way they live and the way things are. And uh, animals are much the same too. Even the wild animals, they like their, their territory, their own area, everything that's familiar to them. But if you want to change the world, you have to alter everything in the environment, and that's how, we, how you do it. Skinner said the same thing. To, order human beha- to alter human behavior, you said you've got to alter something or place something new in their environment. And that's how you, you change the world. Another, another method of doing it too is creating conflict across the world and then guiding the outcome. Uh, so they're famous for making wars. In fact, the history of the CFR, Royal Institute of International Affairs, uh, when it was called the Milner Group prior to that, actually caused the war in South Africa and quickly using their own records from their archives, um, was it, published that material, how they did that and blamed, of course, the Boers. So that Britain could grab South Africa, famous for causing wars. And at the same time, in the late 1800s, actually, they were, they were already fomenting, uh, the, the, the builds up to war with Germany for World War One, long, long, long before it happened. So they had their big plans. You can't change the world unless you make your plans and make things happen and always get the public on your side. Because whenever they see, hear war happening and they believe the media, they, they immediately assume it's some enemy out there that's making, taking the first blow or made the first blow. And the media is there to make sure that's how the message you get. But part of the, the idea, too, with the Council of Foreign Relations and Royal Institute of International Affairs, and they all have their branch now for the European Union's branch of international affairs run by Soros, uh, part of the plan was to create free trade deals across the world. It goes back to the days of, of John Dee, in fact, when he talked about the British Empire, as he called it, and how at that time they could, they could make uh, deals with countries with free trade, gradually winning them over to the British way or, or British system. Today, is they call it democracy. 
Same thing going on. So the countries that come into the free, free trade deals must make pact after pact until their old system is gone. That's the idea. And they've copied your, your system completely. Even if it's a mini government, if it's a small country, they could have the same kind of institutions set up and the same binding international laws through the United Nations so that every minority group can do what they want, as we'll hear about later on. And for the last few years, we've watched um, the president of the U.S., the prime minister of Canada and Mexico, these should come three, three amigos, they were spearheading the whole free trade deal for the amalgamation of the Americas, just like the amalgamated Europe. And uh, we all caught on to it, making these deals, the three of them together, uh, with other countries in Latin America. But now they go separately. And one will sign the, the, the same contracts, then along comes the Prime Minister of Canada afterwards to try to throw us off the scent. But the Prime Minister of Canada is continuing uh, signing. I don't know if he's the second one to sign it or the third one. We don't know yet. They won't tell us anything. But uh, they're bringing in more and more countries in Latin America because, as Karl Marx said, they wanted to unite united Europe in the 1800s and they wanted uh, United Americas as well. And then one for the Far East, which is already up and, and working too in the same way. So Harper, Stephen Harper, Canada, announces a free trade deal now with Honduras. So it says uh, Prime Minister Stephen Harper wrapped up his tour of Latin America on Friday by announcing that Canada struck a free trade deal with Honduras. Development came as Mr. Harper visited the impoverished nation where violence is common and the leftist president was deposed by a coup just two years ago. He made the announcement after meeting with Honduran President Porfirio Lobo Sosa. Our government received a strong mandate to implement our ambitious job creation free trade plan that will benefit Canadians. Mr. Har- I don't know how it will benefit Canadians, because the same thing, the same thing about India and China before that too, and we watched the factories up and move. But anyway, it's not, to, it's nothing to, you understand, this is a, an article given to the public by the media, and it's not their job to tell you Literally, it's not their job to tell you what's really going on or what it's really all about. But so you can trace the, the history of this movement towards globalism a long way back, centuries in fact. And we know too, once you sign the deals, that means that those countries are available, they get Canadian grants and they also get to borrow certain lending rates, etc., from Canada. And Canada will borrow the money from the IMF to do it. And then the Canadians are put down as a guarantors to pay off these debts, which always happens when you write off the debt of third world countries. This is, this is an ongoing roundabout scam. Uh, a circle that we go through with every so-called third world country. Anyway, it says Mr. Carper applauded the current government for establishing a ministry dedicated to justice and human rights and for trying to learn the lesson of where it went wrong in this recent political coup. And he was on about, oh, prosperity, general widespread is fantastic, etc. All that usual stuff and democracy, peace, freedom. Stuff that's, uh, I think you get that in heaven or something. I don't know because I've never seen it on earth. Anyway, and prosperity is the key to these great objectives. So is trade the key to prosperity. And then you scroll down about it and so on. That's a right-wing government. It's pretty brutal, etc. And uh, this is Canada's main job is to do it this way. Uh, through money lending and etc. and uh, working with the IMF as I say with the Canadians down as guarantors for for repaying or paying off the debt that we'll incur by getting this deal going through because we borrow money to give to them you see and they always write them off 
because the countries are so corrupt. That's part of it too. But it talks about the, the balance of trade between Canada and the country and uh, just Canadian exports there, I guess, totaled $40.8 million, mainly fertilizers, machinery and dye, whereas imports to Canada totaled $151.2 million, mainly fruits and textiles. It seems to me that the country's not doing so bad, that country. So why? I mean, we, we're exporting to them $40.8 million and they're exporting to us $151.2 million mainly fruits and textiles, as if you can afford the fruit. But anyway, uh, Mr. Harper says, uh, with free trade deals already in place with Colombia and Costa Rica, do you know what Costa Rica's in it now too? Not just Mexico and, and, and Chile's working on it and a few other ones. It's keen to increase trade with Honduras now that it's struck a similar agreement with the country. And it says, on its own website, Canada's Foreign Affairs Department warns Canadians considering travelling to Honduras that the country, the country is still a dangerous place. The security situation has seriously deteriorated in Honduras, says the warning. That means that any money we give them is going to disappear awfully fast as well with the corruption. Travelers should exercise a high degree of caution throughout the country, as Honduras has the highest homicide rate in Central America. Growing poverty and increased presence of street gangs contribute to an already significant crime rate, etc., etc., etc. So the the free trade and the, it's, it's great how it goes on and there's not much there's no fanfare anymore about it because as I say you don't, it doesn't go down now with the president and the Mexican president too who are spearheading the whole thing they do it individually and then they, they sign the same agreements and these agreements have already been battled out uh, with the, polit- the they call them Sherpas actually the guys who go on ahead the bureaucrats and lawyers who draft up all these contracts which the Prime Minister then signs when he has his trip or holiday. So that's that's what's happening there on that side of it. A little article here too on the, the Department of Homeland Security. It's, it's wanting a, a new terrorist database that will rival or even surpass the FBI's. The, the, a new DHS plan to create its own version of the FBI's terrorist watch list that is exempt from the Privacy Act, has privacy groups concerned. I wonder, who, I wonder who's concerned about it. Most folk don't know. Under the proposed plan, the DHS would create the watch list service, which would bring the FBI's suspected terrorist list in-house and expand on it. This is amazing. I can remember years ago when it was on about the FBI, uh, when the communists were all agitating inside the U.S., and there were communist groups, there's no doubt about it, and... Um, People were really up in arms and on the streets about it and, and demonstrating against it. And here they are under something way beyond all of this for every citizen is being monitored and they're going ahead with more and more incredible monitoring. And there's nothing. There's just nothing happening from the public at all. That's how fast you adapt, you understand. And that's why they love Darwin so much. Uh, it's because he said that too. We're the most adaptable species on the planet. So I'll put these links up tonight as well. You can have a, a wee gander, as I say, at them if you want to. Again, the money is amazing, this money thing, because as you go broke in, across the world, every country has so many organizations that get funded across the world by your tax money, and you don't even know what's happening because we're not good enough. To, we're not worthy enough to tell, basically, I suppose. But here's one here. It says... Um, uh, uh, it's about China and, and getting grants for for 
It says, uh, like the Traditional Values Coalition has released a second installment of its investigation into grant making by the National Institutes of Health for the U.S. This time, TBC reveals that the U.S. taxpayers pumped $90 million into research that included investigating AIDS in China, Chinese prostitutes, and a treatable parasite that infects one in every 1,000 Chinese. I mean, you think with the money that they're raking in in China, uh, they'd have enough cash to to treat uh, one in every 1,000 of the Chinese people. Eh? It says, a week ago, TVC exposed grantees who used the NIH money to study whether the physical endowment of homosexuals affected their settled sexual satisfaction. Isn't that nice? Eh? Now taxpayers get this news as Congress and President grapple about raising the debt ceiling and a few relatively small cuts in the federal budget that won't come close to nicking the surface of the nation's $14.5 trillion debt. And they've also got a... I'll read some more of these when I come back. It's amazing. They're really concerned about Chinese prostitutes. I guess it's for the politicians that visit. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back. This is Cutting Through the Matrix, talking about the, the waste of money, but this, every country does this kind of stuff, and, and they throw it across the world into things you never even hear about generally. But uh, this is about uh, the US throwing money at China. I know they're building hospitals there too, and I've read articles about that before, but they're actually studying too uh, to, to try and give, uh, um, get the prostitutes not to drink so much alcohol, etc. Why? Why? Because, I mean, after all, China can afford this kind of stuff now, you know. They can really afford it to get past all the corruption that they're copying from the West. They could certainly afford it with the money they're raking in with all their exports across the world. And why are, why are they so worried about these these prostitutes? Don't like them drunk or something? Is it for the politicians who are always traveling to China? Who knows? Maybe they want to make sure they're clean all the time so they don't bring something home. There's going to be something more to it than this, obviously. Obviously. And they also trained, uh, they spent um, $189,072 to train a Chinese researcher in acupuncture. MRI technology at an American university who then conducted acupuncture sessions for 30 Chinese volunteers. I guess they call that money well spent. So it's just astonishing to, to, to see the waste. But at least they've published some of this in the U.S. A lot of countries don't publish any of it at all. Never mind all the, the facts that for, for all the big foundations that use their armies of non-governmental organizations uh, to, to change the world by protest and lobbying government, they get paid to lobby government. The governments also give out cash grants to the same NGOs so that they can get lobbied. But it's got to be, you can only get the grant if it's for, for really drastic change. They call it radical change. Then you can, you can get a grant. So you understand there's a bigger game always at work than the, the government's ever going to tell you. I think a lot of the politicians don't even know about it themselves. They don't care. They're only in for a few years till they get their full pension. I think it's five years in government, you get, you get a lifelong pension. Uh, that's pretty well across all the first world countries now. Now, as I mentioned before, too, you've got to make things happen to get the change that you want, so even though millions are hurt in the process, maybe billions even. And we know that this farce of uh, 
the EU was going to bring prosperity for all, much like this prosperity partnerships we're doing across America and Latin America. But uh, then that one country goes down and all the other countries now suddenly have to bail them all out, even if you're going down yourself. And so the answer to it all is, because I was waiting to see this, this happening, is for even faster, closer merger with the, the European Union and literally a call to bring all your taxation under one system through the EU itself. That's part of the next step. So Sarkozy in France and Merkel in Germany call for a true economic government to save the Eurozone. A true economic government. I mean, all the other true governments that they've got with their economies uh, basically have put everybody in massive debts and bankruptcy. So they're calling for a bigger one for the whole of Europe. So it says a plan for European economic government with a single leader, a single leader with all that power. And you think Adolf Hitler was a bad guy or Stalin? <laughs> he ain't seen nothing yet. Drawn up after a mini-summit uh, is cautiously, cautiously welcomed by the UK, which is farce because they're all in it. But it says France and Germany have set out plans to create a first true European economic government headed by a single appointed leader. As part of major moves to synchronize tax and spending to save failing Eurozone. The French President Nicolas Sarkozy, the German Chancellor Angela Merkel, announced dramatic proposals after a two-hour mini-summit. That was awfully fast, eh? Just, just, just merging it all just like that in, in two hours, yeah. They also called for the imposition of tighter restrictions on member countries' deficits and announced the synchronization of the tax policies of their own two countries. So starting off by basically merging their own two tax systems and everybody else will have to jump in on the bandwagon. Sarkozy has also secured the support of Merkel for a Tobin tax, which is a financial tax on all international transactions to raise funds to ease the crisis engulfing the European economy. Well, all international transactions also goes for all your imports as well. That means all your prices are going to go up at home. It says the establishment of an economic government for the Eurozone will be regarded by Eurosceptics as a political power grab for Europe, which of course it is. But only sceptics would see it as that. On Tuesday night, the British government gave a cautious welcome to the move, saying that it would adopt a watch-and-see policy. A watch-and-see. Let's go down the tubes, eh? This looks like the right direction, but we need to see how it pans out. So anyway, we know it's for total integration until all your bookkeeping is done by the IMF for all the countries, and eventually the United Nations takes over and tells you how much you can spend each country, and you'll borrow from the World Bank, and you'll pay it back through the IMF at massive interest rate, and now you have a single Führer, basically, in charge of the whole kit and caboodle of Europe. Not bad, eh? It's all done through politics, and that pretty bloodless, except for the folk who lose all their homes, and they're kicked out onto the streets. And, and India, too, was designated to be an up-and-coming country because we've all signed through, again, the, the globalization or organizations of the United Nations and the World Trade Organization that will make it to be a, an up-and-coming country. In other words, we're financing them just like we finance China to come up by massive loans, massive grants, free grants, actually, and they, they can't lose. And that way, when all investors see that for every dollar they put in is backed by 10 to $20, or maybe 50 by other countries, then they can't lose. That's why everybody's getting into India now with their investments. But it's, it's so corrupt that most of the cash is just disappearing. India has denied it as stifling democratic protests after police arrested 1,300 people to hold a hunger strike by an anti-corruption activist. And it goes on about this corruption in India and 
the money's just disappearing as it comes in from all of us. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. And this article about India talks about uh, the protests about concerning corruption, basically, and how they're, they're trying to get the ombudsman to get more power to go after all the corrupt, which will be impossible because no other country has been able to do that either. So I'll put this up tonight and we can see what's happening there. Can you imagine the money that's piling in there? And all the, you know, the good psychopaths are jumping on the bandwagon and they see all the different avenues you'd never even think of or how to get cash and how to scam it, etc. And of course they also have a deal going with the World Trade Organization and the United Nations that just like China, they can pollute for I think 20 years, uh, without any problems. They're not going to be harassed by pollution or using coal for their industry, things like that, because they must come up. But we go down, you see. That's how it basically works. And again, for the U.S., there's an, it's interesting, because at least the U.S. gets told a few things once in a while, where most of the other so-called democratic countries uh, don't, basically. We're just ordered to do things. It just happens. And this is about the smart meters. It says here, there's no federal security mandate for smart meters, according to George W. Arnold, the National Coordinator for Smart Grid Interoperability at the National Institute of Standards and Technology. This agency of the U.S. Department of Commerce is said not to be involved in regulations, but is only tasked with promoting standards amongst industries. I think it was on about the 2005-2007 the uh, energy bills were codified in public laws. It says no part of them creates a federal law pertaining to individual customers or consumers or dictating that the public must be forced to comply with provisions of the smart grid. Contrary to the bleating of manufacturers and utility talking heads who claim there is no opt-out, the fact is you, the consumer, must be offered the meter. You must be offered it first, you see, or request a meter and opt-in. No one can be forced to comply with an unrevealed contract between private corporations and to which you were never a party and had no knowledge of. And it says, um, uh, the Emergency Economic Stabilization Act of 2008 says, an energy tax package was under development in Congress for several years prior to 2008. In September 2008, the package was finally enacted into law via its inclusion in the Emergency Economic a Stabilization Act of 2008. This package, or this tax package, shifted tax liabilities from corporations who are already posting uh, massive record profits onto the public. It really is a new tax. That's what the whole, it's an energy tax. That's what your smart grid is. And plus, uh, that's what your smart meter is as well. Eventually it'll be cutting you off if they use too much. But it's a, a tax system. And part of the taxation is that you will pay these private corporations for the installation of it the setting up of the smart grid, etc. And that's why in Canada, of course, the way they just came along and, and shoved it in everybody's homes without telling them often they were at work, and the, because it's outside, you see, um, then you, you end up paying for this private company's uh, costs, totally, co- you're totally paying for it all, on top of their profit as well. 
So anyway, so these standards are in form of requirements and parties such as, such as utilities to undertake certain actions. The standards are not directly prescriptive on these parties. However, it's up to state utility regulatory commissions or the bodies that govern other types of utilities to decide that the standards should be actually adopted by utilities subject to this jurisdiction. And it goes on and on and on. But anyway, it's worth a read for those in the U.S. who want to opt out of it because you must be offered it, as I say. Or if you want it, you must ask for it. And that's the way it is under the present laws. Now, I mentioned a, a few weeks ago that the United Nations, because it must look after every minority, it's always finding new minorities, even some, some have won occasionally. But uh, the idea, so this is apart from destroying society, which is the main goal, to make the new one, you see, uh, it's also um, having having a big push now to normalize pedophilia. I've said that for years, and I've followed the, what they're up to for years. And in Holland, too, there was a group there who tried to get a lot of media attention. They weren't very successful. Uh, there were pedophiliacs and who wanted to put out the ethics for other uh, pedophiliacs. Uh, ethic, can you imagine have ethics? I mean, how can you have ethics? Hmm? It says, if a small group of psychiatrists and other mental health professionals have their way at a conference this week, pedophiles themselves could play a role in removing pedophilia from the American Psychiatric Association's Bible of Mental Illnesses, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, set to undergo a significant revision by 2013. Critics warn that their success could lead to the decriminalization of pedophilia. And you will live to see this. You will see it done on television, actually, and you'll soon have just like homosexual movies and gay movies and all these other in-betweens. You'll also have um, child sex as well with, with these old characters. The August 17 Baltimore Conference is sponsored by Before You Act, Before You Act, it's called, a group of pro-pedophile mental health professionals. Can you believe that? Mental health professionals and sympathetic activists. According to the conference brochure, the event will examine ways in which minor attracted, this is what they call themselves, minor attracted persons. That's not guys who go down coal mines, by the way. Uh, Pedophiles can be involved in the DSM-5 revision process and how the popular perceptions of pedophiles can be reframed to encourage tolerance, just like they did with all other things. I mentioned a long time ago, it's like uh, the Parthenon, with all of its pillars, once you knock one down, you see it's easier to knock all the rest down and the roof comes down. And that's why you can't remove any pillars at all if you still want to retain your society and the culture. If you don't want to, let it happen and a new one will come in. Researchers from Harvard University, the Johns Hopkins University and the University of Louisville and the University of Illinois will be amongst the panelists at the conference. You must get academia and you're brighter folk who can sit and say, oh, yes, oh, before you act has been active attacking the APA's definition of pedophilia in the run-up to the conference, denouncing its description of minor attracted persons as inaccurate and misleading because the current DSM links pedophilia with criminality. It is based on data from prison studies which completely ignore the existence of those who are law-abiding and said, how can you be a law-abiding pedophiliac? Yeah. Said Howard Klein, science director of Before You Act, in a July 25, 2011 press release. The proposed new diagnostic criteria specify ages and frequencies with no scientific basis whatsoever. The press release announced a letter to the group sent to the APA criticizing the approach and inviting its leaders to participate in the August 17th conference. And it says the DSM should meet a higher standard than that. Klein continued, we can help them because we are the people they're, they're writing about. So here you have the ones who are doing all the odd things who want to make the law themselves. 
and be involved in a boat. So it's, it's kind of like, I, I know rapists will be next, you understand. Rapists will come in because after all they're a minority and they get off on hurting people. They've got to get frightened people screaming and writhing to turn them on. That's how it, how it works. But why not? I mean, if, if this group and that group can, can, can knock down the pillars, why not the next bunch? And, and you think I'm, I'm not talking about that? Not at all. Not at all. APA spokesman Erin Connors told the Daily Caller in an email statement that her organization was not participating in the conference and would not com- comment on its aims. Child advocate Dr. Judith Reisman, a visiting professor at Liberty University School of Law, said the conference is part of a strategy to condition people into accepting paedophiles. And by the way, she did an excellent series on Kinsey and gave the real Kinsey report and all the, the hullabaloo that, that, that was put about this fantastic hero who liberated everybody, who used prostitutes and children and paid people to go out and bugger little babies. And I'm not kidding about that. And, and bugger is not a swear word, by the way. It's in the dictionary. And um, and he actually paid them. And she did an excellent series on that to see to, to show you how it was done. And the, the names, and a lot of the names are, and so on are involved in it too. I'll try and find that from the archive section at cuttingthroughmage.com and shove it up tonight if you want to see the series. To understand what's going on, you have to really look in behind it and see the history of it and who's behind it. Who funds it, by the way? Rockefeller funded it all. Yeah. He, he gave the cash to the Kinsey to do the studies where they even found government workers uh, that went around schools and orphanages, etc., who timed how long it took them after buggering little babies before they cried who actually said that the babies liked it, and that's what the crying signified. This is the world you're living in. And if you have no sympathy or you have no emotion for those who are being damaged in this world, then I have no sympathy for you because it'll come around to you eventually in one way or another. It's the same as going around the world bombing people who are sitting having their dinner, and, uh, you know, eventually the big eating machine will come round to you because you didn't care. Anyway, it says the first thing to do is to get the public to divest from thinking of what the offender does criminally to thinking of the offender's emotional state. Oh, poor soul, eh? To think of him as thinking of his emotional state. And to empathize and sympathize, Reisman said. You don't change the nation in one fell swoop. You have to change it by conditioning. The aim is to get them, the pedophiles, out of prison. According to Reisman, empirical data shows that pedophiles typically molest many children before finally being caught. The data on parole pedophiles confirms these predators repeat their crimes against children and are known to have escalated them even to murder, Reisman said. By the way, there's a whole bunch of um, <clears throat> stuff coming out now on pedophilia uh, where they actually do uh, snuff movies with uh, children. Uh, and I don't know who... Uh, well, I, I know for a fact that there's a lot of bigwigs involved in this kind of stuff. That's come out before during these kind of things. And, of course, if you mention too many of them, you'll, you won't live, live very long. Anyway, several speakers at the August 17 conference, including the Poriac Director of Operations, Dr. Richard Kramer, and conference keynote speaker, Dr. Fred Berlin of the John Hopkins University, have actively opposed sex offender notification laws. What purpose does calling someone a pervert or a predator serve anyway other than to express contempt and hatred? Well, technically they're getting right because they've conditioned the general public through the the perverted Hollywood, which was, of course, the whole agenda in the first place, uh, until they don't know what's right and wrong anymore anyway. And and maybe they lap this stuff up on television. I don't know. I don't watch it. 
But I know that it's really gone to the, to the edge. But that's what you got to do to destroy society is to create massive chaos, then bring in the new. But Kramer wrote that on March 14, 2009. Blog entry on the website, reformsexoffenderslaws.org. How is this productive? It certainly doesn't protect children. Oh, no. I would urge all SO, which is sex offenders, activists, to listen to their own message. Stop buying into and promoting false stereotypes. Stop demonizing a whole class of people and start learning the facts, he says. And it goes on to page two as well, as you've learned some of their tactics. But they've got the power of the press and Hollywood behind them. Because all entertainment is, uh, is weaponized. I hope you realize that. You can't sit and relax at anything. You're going to get something hit. Even in a comedy, especially comedies actually, that's how they often introduce the new. Because you cannot, you're stuck in a limbo. You're kind of laughing at something uh, as, they're, as they're pushing a new idea into your brain. You see, that's a, a technique which they understand in neuroscience. And here's an article that follows it from today. Andrew Sanford jailed over horrific child images. Well, it won't be horrific for very long, will it? A, nurse, a male nurse who was caught with some of the worst indecent images of children ever seen by police experts was jailed for four years and five months. Don't worry, this, this bunch will get him out. Andrew says he downloaded the material. He got 12,270 images of children and babies being sexually abused and raped and involved in sex acts with animals. That's a nice character. This is what they're normalizing. Eh? He downloaded the material on a laptop computer at his home in Glasgow between November 2006 and September last year. The High Court in Edinburgh, Lord Turnbull, said the images were horrific. Well, at least he can still tell at his level. The judge told the former staff nurse at Glasgow's Victoria Infirmary the nature and detail of the conduct perpetrated against young children and babies, which featured a new college of images, is quite shocking. And it's exactly the same stuff, by the way, that Kinsey was putting out, because he hired guys to do this with babies, to time them with stopwatches and everything. Lord Turnbull said that the use of that, that disgusting, awful movie they put out by Hollywood on Kins, it gives a massive hero or something, eh? As uh, a bigger agenda at work, though, you understand. Much bigger. It's not entertainment at all. Anyway, it's just horrific abuse. Uh, it says, these are visual records of the actual and truly horrific sexual abuse and rape of children and babies by adults. He says, the judge said he had to take into account a significant number of images of the most serious type found and the lengthy period over which they were downloaded. He told Sanford, who had since been removed from the nursing register, that he would have faced a five-and-a-half-year prison sentence, but for his guilty plea. is only five-and-a-half years. It's usually less than that. Error the court had heard how Sanford was caught after Strathclyde Police received intelligence that he had accessed a website with indecent images of children via the Internet from his former family home in Barhead, East Renfrewshire. A married geriatric ward nurse told police that he may well have accessed the images through a chat room type thing. But anyway, as I say, there's actually snuff ones out there too for the really, uh, you know, uh, avant-garde bunch. And uh, you'd be surprised, I think. I think the whole world might be surprised. Maybe not to find who's really behind it all. Feds who ran Fast and Furious gun program received promotions. Everybody knows this one too. Three supervisors of the U.S. government's controversial anti-gun running program called Fast and Furious were promoted by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms and Explosives, despite continued criticism of their actions, the Los Angeles Times reported today. Uh, it says the men helped to coordinate the large-scale sting operation that saw thousands of firearms illegally trafficked between the U.S. and Mexico, this was their excuse, in a bid to ensnare gangs and drug cartels. 
no senior crime figures were arrested during the 15-month program. So, okay, no senior crime figures were arrested during the program, which was also linked to the shooting deaths of two U.S. Border Patrol agents. The program reportedly became so unwieldy, unwieldy that the ATF lost track of more than a thousand firearms. They didn't lose track of anything. It was meant to go to where it went and played an active role in arming the Sinaloa cartel, one of Mexico's most vicious crime units. Obviously, it was meant to go there in the first place. And that's why they got promoted. I won't read any more of this rubbish. And it's just astonishing what really is is going on right in front of our faces in every 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 area is just astonishing you just can't get away from it and um as i said i'll put all these links up tonight at the end of, of the broadcast but i'm looking for one here too and it's a kind of rubbish that they shove on here it's here that's that the same media that, that, that you think occasionally will inform you doesn't at all. It's meant to cause angst. And the general public, again, with their bits and bites of information, are already punch drunk. They've been punch drunk for years, especially now with the Internet. And the strange, bizarre way things are presented on television now, it's, uh, it's again, it's all run by psychologists and neuroscientists, the way it's, everything's presented to you. But the way this particular article is presented is there's no condemnation of it, and it, it ties in with the pedophilia bit, and the, they call it intergenerational sex, all that stuff. Modeling in her underwear at 12 and pregnant at 15, and schoolgirls proud that mother can't wait for a new council house. Because the government will give you that, you see, if your family increases. By age 12, Soya Kevini had already posed in lacy underwear and was on a strict diet so she could become a model. So it should not come as a surprise, but at the age of 15, the youngster is pregnant and her mother is delighted, proudly showing her bump. They all have bumps now, apparently. The sparring model from Thornaby, Cleveland, insisted she's going to be a brilliant mother. Then it goes through this nonsense with the life of this person. The mother says how, how mature she is and how, how great it is and all the rest of it. And uh, it's, just, it's one of your ooh-ah little trivia stories they put out, but it's a conditioning story. It's a conditioning story for intergenerational sex. And who runs these models at 12 in all their lace, like the one I read last week? Same ones that run Hollywood. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back. This is Cutting Through the Matrix and there's so much you cannot get out in an hour, obviously, but uh, I'm sure most listeners know where the world world is going and why it's happening. I hope they do anyway. They should know by now. But there's a couple of callers here and I'll try to take them very quickly. There's Daniel in the UK. Are you there, Daniel? Yeah, hello. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yeah. Yeah, do you know Just a quick point. Um, <clears throat> they've been encouraging sort of... Um, miscegenation for decades now. Um, why is it you only ever see in the media um, the black male, white female coupling and they never represent any other racial groups? You never see a white male with an oriental female or an Indian female with a, a black male. Why is it specifically um, those two groups? Um, well, I, I think behind that? I, I'm sure it, it was, even from the days of Michael Jackson being raised to be a star. Uh, it was to try and get the mixtures working mainly in America 
to avoid problems down the road. I think that's maybe part of it, but it's also part of, uh, when you go into it deeper, you'll find that there's organizations and agencies running this world who uh, literally, they have us all listed down from the 1700s onwards, in fact, that the cultures, their strengths and weaknesses, and their idea was to destroy basically the strengths and weaknesses of, of the different cultures that they bred together. That was part of it. There was a U.S. survey uh, I mentioned back in 98, maybe on the radio, or 99, uh, where there's a naval survey from a, from a naval base of the U.S. where they intermarried with mainly uh, one group from uh, I think it was, it was in the Hawaiian Islands or somewhere. But anyway, they're actually doing case studies on the offspring. They wanted to see what weaknesses and strengths the offspring would have, mainly to see if, if they'd be more compliant and manageable for future governments. That was this, uh, an official survey that was done. Well, they've done it with all other groups as well. So mainly for America, they wanted to promote this particular type of uh, breeding program, hoping to domesticate most of them and make them easier to manage by by the governments that were to come in the future. Uh, so uh, you understand, as I say, that the, the groups that run this world um, have all this stuff down pat. I could go a lot further with it, but so maybe we wouldn't be safe. But uh, this is a, this is an ama- amazing thing that is happening. So that's the reason you'll see most of that. You know, well, it's almost like an experiment, really, living experiment, if you like, is it? It's experimental, and it's also, it's mainly to do, it's not so much experimental now, I think most of that's been done, is to domesticate the people even more, make them more compliant and manageable uh, for future governments who want to change the system even worse than it is already. That's that's the main reason. If they wanted, for instance, uh, to to have further amalgamation or immigration from the West, a lot of immigration into China, you would see it with the Oriental there perhaps. Um, and I'm sure they'll, they'll already know from, from previous marriages and their studies on them, because everyone's under the microscope, they already know how, how the offspring there will, will, will be for government management. It's all to do with management for the future, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I understand. Okay, well, uh, thanks for answering my question, Alan. Thanks for calling. And there's also Martin from Indiana. Are you there, Martin? Yeah, hello, Alan. Hello. Yeah. Oh, hello. Um, I'll make my question short. Uh, are there, I wanted to know, are there, uh, that you know of, psychological techniques used, um, like gang stalking, for instance, used to scare the more awake ones, um, to control them, um, and such? What you've got is a microcosm, uh, whatever you do on a small scale on society, um, on, on victims who don't know they're being observed or manipulated, it will generally work on the, the, the wider society in general. That's the whole key to it. But the key is also that the subject mustn't know that they're being observed or, or they're under the microscope because you get a different, uh, you won't get the right kind of answer that you want. So it, it was, it's unsuspecting people. The CIA, remember, had prostitutes, thousands of them hired for years. And they photographed them, bringing in all the different Johns, trying different hallucinogenic drugs on them, and following them down for years to see what happened to their state. From Hamish myself, from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>